Welcome to the Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You're going to get first look at all of the upcoming guests, as well as our most recent op-eds and our most recent podcast. In studio with me right now is my friend Casper Stockham. He is a candidate for Congressional District 7. It is great to have you here, Casper. It's good to be here. I appreciate it. How's things going on the campaign trail? You know, I'm excited about the campaign trail. We're doing well. Um, We have enough money to finish out the race strong. Um, We are getting yard signs out. In fact, we got a large shipment of yard signs, so we need volunteers to help us get the yard signs out because we don't want to have any any yard signs left in the office. It doesn't do any good in the office. It doesn't do any good in the office, so we got to get them out. So we need volunteers for that. We also are um, showing up on the highways and byways with signs. We have big Casper, Colorado signs. I've seen them. I I honked at that. Yeah, yeah. so we have crews out doing that almost every day. Okay. So we're doing that, um, and we're still attending events. We're still doing meet and greets, but um, the winners at our back, and we are um, attempting to show that Perlmutter is – really a part of the problem. He's not speaking out against the rioting and the looting and violence and all these things going on. And we had a, <laughs> we had our first and only candidate forum yesterday online because, you know, nobody meets in person because they're scared of the, of the COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was short, six minutes. We had two questions each. And then we had closing statements. No opening statements, just two questions each and closing statement. Who, fa- who facilitated this it? This was the Jewish um, group, the J. Um, okay. And, and so, so there, were no other, there were no other questions? There was no back and forth between you and No Perlmutter. back and forth. Um, I tried to get some digs in, but you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't biting. You know, he, okay. just, he just kind of did his little... Um, biting or Biden? <laughs> <laughs> right. He wasn't either. <laughs> he wasn't biting or Biden. Um, yeah, so it was... It was very uneventful. Okay. You know, I posted a link on our Facebook page so people can check it out. All the city, um, all the city races were highlighted. Some of the Republican candidates didn't show up, which is kind of disappointing. Disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Boebert didn't show up, and I love her. You know, mm-hmm. but she didn't show up, and Shane Bowen didn't show up. I'm like, you know, this is, you know, it's an opportunity to be seen, mm-hmm. right, by um, potentially people that don't know you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they wouldn't show up. Okay. So, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's let's jump in here. What are you hearing on the campaign trail, Casper? Uh, what's going on out there? Yeah, so what I'm hearing and seeing nationwide and even here locally, I'm convinced at this point, and, of course, this could change tomorrow, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm convinced right now that Trump is going to win the popular vote nationwide and he's also going to win the Electoral College vote, and he will become or he will be reelected as our president. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to drag out. You know, it's not going to be over um, you know, the night of the third. It's going to drag out. But at the end of it, he's going, to be, he's going to be victorious. What I'm trying to make sure happens and continues to happen is that Colorado is a part of that process. Uh, right now, Colorado is blue and um, trending blue and we need to switch that around. And I think the only one that's going to help us is Trump. And it's, it's sad that some of our leadership is not really uh, fighting to get him back into Colorado. We can, we can meet at the airport, just like he's been doing around the country. You know, we can go to the airport. We can go to Centennial Airport, whatever airport they want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, Centennial or, or some of the other airports and gather to have him come into town. So I wish that would happen. I don't think it's going to. 
We're, you know, we're getting really short on time now. <laughs> uh, the election is just around the corner. Yeah. What are people concerned about, Casper, when you're out talking with people? What are they concerned about? Yes, and it doesn't matter if it's Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated. They're all concerned. One of their main concerns is safety and security. Okay. And I talk about that at the door with these folks. You know, I knock on the door and, and I step back about 10 feet because I don't wear a mask when I'm out okay. campaigning. And, um, you know, they come to the door and I say, hey, you know, <laughs> and it's funny. It doesn't matter what sign they have in the yard either. I don't care if they have a Biden era sign or Black Lives Matter sign. I still knock on the door. And I have this conversation. I said, look, my name is Casper Stockham. I'm running for Congress in this district. And I'm running against Ed Perlmutter. I stand for safety and security. I stand for getting our kids back in school safely. And I stand for putting an end to the rioting and the looting and chaos and mayhem that's going on around our nation and even in, in, our, um, in our capital here in Colorado. And I said, look, I'm your last line of defense between all that foolishness and your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, can I put a yard sign in the yard? They said, yes, sir. Just put it right over there. Awesome. Yeah. I've had Democrats say that. And I've had people say, well, I, I hate Trump. And I said, okay, well, this is not about Trump. It's about Casper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? So... Um, <laughs> And I talked to him. I put my sign in Democrat yards, several. Okay. So uh, they are concerned about the same things. They see what's going on. So I see us doing well. We could do better in Colorado, but I see my race going well, and I definitely see President Trump winning the uh, Well, one of the things, Casper, that could uh, really change this election is – the ethnic vote is yes. really moving towards Trump. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, you grew up black Democrat, right? Well, I was never registered Democrat, but I, I grew up in that household. In that kind of a household. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And so share with our listeners your journey. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I grew up on the East Coast, and I grew up in a, a very liberal progressive household. My dad was a politician. He was a Democrat politician. So he was on the school board, city council. He ran for Congress. He ran for Senate. He ran for a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And um, I can remember um, wearing T-shirts and standing on the corner with signs and all that stuff. And I remember driving around in our station wagon. And at that time, we had like a bullhorn or, or some kind of uh, speaker <laughs> system, you know, vote for Gail Stockham. You know, and I, was, I was like, you know. But um, he was always mad, always mad. Every he'd come home mad, you know, he'd go to work mad, come home mad. I'm saying, who would want that kind of life? What that's not a life, you know, that I'm like striving for. Mm-hmm. So, the last thing I wanted to do was be like my dad. Mm-hmm. But I went into the military at an early age, I went in at 17, I turned 18 at Lowry Air Force Base in, in um, really tech school. How did you get in at in the age of 17? Well, you just have to have your parents' permission to sign off on it or whatever, you know. So, um yeah, I turned 18 um, in tech school, and I was bitter and angry about life, and I had just barely started living life, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was already angry about it. I was angry about the man. You know, the man was going to mm-hmm. keep me down. Mm-hmm. But I was in an officer training program in the military and because I had planned on staying in 20 years. That was a goal from the very start, to go in 20 years. So I signed up for six initially. And then when that six was over, I signed up for another six because I was going for my 20. And I was in this program right in the 80s and stuff when Reagan got elected. And one of the first things his administration did was cut that program. And I said, well, there you go. 
You know, those Republicans. Man, always, yeah, the man, man keeping you down. Keeping huh? me down. Always trying to take stuff away from us poor minority people. But what happened was he didn't cut me out of learning the class or anything else. They just took away the safety net. So now I had to get good grades like everybody else was getting grades to okay, stay so in. So was this officer training program for ethnics then? Is that no, what it was or what? It was It was the same program that everybody – it's the same class that everybody else was in. But as an ethnic minority, I had a safety net. So you didn't have to get uh, higher grades then? Exactly. I could get oh. lower grades but still stay in the program. Whereas the white kid next to me or, or, or the white – lady next to me, she had to keep getting good grades to, to stay, stay in uh, you know, for not failing out. Okay. But I could get D's and, and F's or whatever and still stay in because they wanted to make sure. They probably had their quotas or something. They had quotas and stuff for, for minority officers. And, and so Reagan comes in and gets rid of that. He gets rid of the program. Now, I was getting good grades. Uh-huh. I, had, I was in no jeopardy of, of not graduating, mm-hmm. but I had that safety net. And the safety net went away, so I had to get good grades like everybody else. And that, at the end of the day, we want our officers to be the sharpest, brightest people on the planet. You think? <laughs> Why would you dumb down a program that's, you know, putting officers uh, or, um, you know, getting more officers in the in the force? Uh, so I started to look at all those things, Kim. I, I, I started to look at all the programs and realizing they all have good intentions. I don't think anybody out there said, Said we're going to do this so that we can trap people into this, you know, into despair necessarily. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what happens. You know, the the welfare and all these things, they start out with good intentions. But the problem is that they don't have a way to get you off of that, get you out of that environment. It's like it's like a mother breastfeeding her child all the way through life forever. Right. No. You know, at some point you have to wean them off of that onto something else, lift them up out of that and and um and that program was a bad idea so i was in class one day fussing about republicans and evil white people and all this other stuff and i was saying yeah but you're still in class yeah i know but those republicans no no you're still in class they didn't take anything away from you you have to earn the right to be an officer i was like wow all right this is a conversation i'm having with myself Okay. So I didn't have a mentor that mentored me into conservatism. I just stumbled into it or or I was snapped out of the other. Interesting. And started to migrate into conservatism because I looked at everything else and I'm, I just, you know, my eyes were open, right? And that's what we need to um, happen with people like Tay Anderson, for example. I was much like Tay when I was growing up. Same attitude, same bitterness, everything else. And if it wasn't for the military sh- uh, snapping me out of that, I would have, you know, I don't know if I ever would have snapped out. Um, so when I look at Tay, I don't see someone that's, uh, you know, I don't see hatred and stuff. I see myself, actually. Interesting. And, and I also see that one day he will be a strong conservative if he ever is snapped out of what he's in. Uh-huh. Look at Candace Owens. Literally five years ago, she was a Democrat. Registered Democrat, voting Democrat. <laughs> and now she's one of the strong conservative voices that we have. It's, and she's fearless. Yeah. She's absolutely fearless. Exactly. Look at Diamond and Silk, same thing. Mm-hmm. They were Democrats four or five years ago. Trump was the one that brought them out of that. So, and Reggie and Johnny. Reggie and Johnny. I mean, I'm a Trumpster. The list goes on and on. And, and Leo, 
right? Leo, yeah, Leo Terrell. Right? Oh my Le- gosh. Le- Leo 2.0, right? Yeah. So even even at that age, you can snap out of it. So um, in 2016, Trump had what nine something percent of the of the black vote, and now that number has not gone down. That number has gone up significantly. We are hoping for 15 to 20 percent as opposed to nine. We're hoping it's going to double. If he gets 20 percent, he wins. Don't he you wins. think? He wins. But but it's even better than that. You know, when people are looking at the polls, this is why I say he's going to win because. In 2016, there were a lot of Republicans that I personally knew and talked to, and we, that we both um, know who didn't vote for Trump. But now they're voting for Trump. Randy Corcoran, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> voting for Trump. So, um, so there's that. And then there's the increase in the black support. So that's another reason why um, he's going to have more votes this time than he had in 16. And then we have organizations like Blexit, mm-hmm. Candace Owens' organization. That's another reason why. You know, there's a lot of young black conservatives, and they gather every year at the White House and everything else. They support Trump. And there's thousands of them, tens of thousands of those across the nation. Then there's, um, there's a walkaway movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, with Brandon. He has hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> who have walked away from the Democrat Party. And you feel that they're walking towards Trump? They're walking towards Trump for sure, 100%. But they're not walking towards the Republican Party. That's the problem. That's always been the problem, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party has been the problem, not Trump. Trump, you know, he's going to be here for four years, eight years, and then, you know, that's it. Um, but the Republican Party hasn't survived after Trump. But they are not doing the things to survive after Trump. So we're going to have a problem in four years. Okay, when Trump's out, I don't know who's going to be able to fill in that gap and do what he is doing, reaching out to all these communities. Because Trump, you know, as we get into the plan, he's been doing some phenomenal things to reach out to the black community. But we also have Lexit, Latinos exiting the Democrat Party. Okay. (laughs) I put all this in my book because there's just so many different um, aspects to all the stuff going on. And what's the title of the book? It's A Great Black and Millennial Awakening. And they can get it at Amazon? Amazon.com. You have to do a search for The Great Black and Millennial Awakening. Okay. And it's on Amazon right now. So I put all this in my book because all these things lead up to a Trump victory. Lexit, um, Blexit, walk away, and then there's Dem Exit. What's that? <laughs> Democrats exiting the Democrat Party. Okay. Okay. Now, there are no organizations, well, I shouldn't say no, but there are um, no nationwide organizations I'm aware of of the opposite happening. In other words, I don't see organizations right, like this popping up saying that we're leaving the Republican Party. Now, there are people going unaffiliated, right? and that's part of what I'm saying is that people are fed up with the, the lack of, of intestinal fortitude from the Republican Party. And, that's why they're leaving. And th- that's why I think Trump has gotten so much support is he, he's, a, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. Yeah. And we we are fighting for our country yeah. right now. Yeah. And how 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 clean and and um, uh, I mean fights aren't aren't clean, right? If you got to win, I mean you've got to you got to get some, in there. You got to get in there, and you got to you know you got to throw some blows. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're going to lose, right? So we have all those organizations, um, and they all have collectively millions of people, collectively. So between that 
And the Republicans that didn't vote for him in 16 are now going to vote for him in 20. That's why I'm saying that Trump is going to win okay. popular vote and the um, electoral college vote. Well, let's. I I I find that very compelling, very interesting. Let's uh, switch gears on this, Casper mm-hmm. Stockham, and that is, I really think that Trump cares about everyday, hardworking Americans, no matter what the descriptor yes, is. Yes, for sure. Black, white, Hispanic, woman, yes. gay, I, all of it. Right. He just wants basically, I think, kind of blinders on, yeah. uh, and and government to generally get out of the way. Right. Uh, but he's come up with a plan, mm-hmm. and there is some government involvement in this. Let's talk about this plan. Apparently, you went back to Washington, D.C. Actually, it was Atlanta. Was it Atlanta? Okay. Atlanta. You went back to Atlanta, where this was introduced. Yes. Was Trump there, or was it Oh, some... yeah. No, it was President Trump. Okay. I got, I got a personal invite um, through the Black Voices for Trump organization that said that Trump is rolling out this plan. President Trump is rolling out this plan. Um, so I was invited. I had my own seat assignment. Um, there were eight congressional candidates that were there, and we all got um, acknowledgement from the president. Wow. And, and we were on stage. Three of the eight got a chance to speak. So Burgess Owens was there. He got a chance to speak. Okay. Kim Klasick was there. She got a chance to Boy, speak. Boy, that video of her with that yeah. red dress yeah. walking through Baltimore, exactly. wow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's gotten millions of views now. Uh, so she was there, and another lady that's running in Atlanta. Okay. She was there, and a lot of people that I've talked to, especially in the in the black community, they said, "Well, yeah, well, the platinum plan is is too little, too late." I said, "No, you don't understand. He's been doing things for the past four years. This is like icing on the cake. This is like his legacy. When he wins and he is implements even half of this platinum plan, it's going to improve the black community to a level that they will." just be uh, way more prosperous than they've ever been in their entire life. Now, what's funny about the black community is that uh, if you're in that bubble, if you're in the black community bubble, you're going to only hear, um, you know, it's like an echo chamber kind of deal. But if you go into the suburb, if you're black and you go into the suburbs, especially here in Colorado, you can thrive. You will thrive in the suburbs here in Colorado. Now, you may run into a situation here and there, but for the most part, I mean, I've been all over the state. I go to the Western Slope, uh, you know, most time open carry out there is awesome, right? And I have never had anyone say anything derogatory or just kind of off color or anything to me, you know, and I'm open carry and I'm having a good time, you know, me and the family just hanging out on the Western Slope in freedom, right? Never had any problems, but I can go to the inner city and have Democrats, Liberals, progressives, call me. Um, can I use the word here? No. I don't think you can. Okay. All right, but they call me a house N-word. You know, I just have to ask. I've always thought about this. Is I think it's I think it's racist that depending on the color of your skin, you can use a word or you can't. Yeah. If it's if it's a word that shouldn't be used, then nobody should use it. Right. Right. Yes. Um, now, in the community, they look at it a little differently than that. But um, I get attacked and call those names all the time. Now, it doesn't bother me because um, words only have power if you let them have right. power over you. So I don't care what they call me because I know who I am. Right. I'm a free American. <laughs> so you know, so speak, they can't bother yeah, me. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, now we are recording this uh, the week after there was the deadly shooting down at... Yes. 
the near the yeah, Denver the Art Museum. Yeah. yeah, Denver Art Museum. Yeah. You were there. I was right there. Yeah. And I was reading some news reports, and it sounds like this instigator. There were people calling you all kinds of names down there. As, it was as the as instigator as mainly. Because most of the other Antifa and BLM folks were contained north of where we were. So we were on the south end of the, of the park or the um, Civic Center area. And they were on the north side, separated by two fences and police. And the police always had to monitor their side because they were the ones trying to break the barrier down and come towards us. They wouldn't have liked what they found because we had our own security as well. Mm -hmm. But they were trying to do that. And the police never had to look at our side and see, well, I don't know if these guys are dangerous or not. They, they knew 100% that we were not dangerous, mm -hmm. but they knew 100% that the other side was. So they had to hit them with pepper balls and all kinds of craziness to keep them at bay. Mm -hmm. The entire event, the, the Patriot Muster, the entire event was peaceful. We were, um, we were praying. We were um, speaking. We were um, singing God Bless America and USA and things like mm -hmm. that. After it was over was when things got squirrely because most of the Patriots left and they were protected by our, our private forces. Um, but there were some stragglers like myself because I was doing interviews. I interviewed with the Denver Gazette reporter and some others. So I'm doing these interviews. And in fact, I was speaking with the Denver Gazette reporter when we heard the commotion going on between Lee, the gentleman that got shot in the head, and, um, and the agitator. And, and the agitator was wearing a Black Guns Matter t-shirt. Um, there are several different conflictions as to his actual name. Yeah, but uh, he's, he wasn't black, right? Well, he was, he's very light-skinned, but he, he'd be considered black. Okay. But, but he, was okay. A, but he had a t-shirt that said Black Guns Matter. Okay. The t-shirt said Black Guns Matter, and he was black enough to feel comfortable with calling me to, <laughs> you know, a house okay. N-word. He's okay. the one that called me the house N-word. Okay. Um, and, and we talked for 20 minutes, if you want to call it speaking, because he was just hurling insults and I was trying to engage him in conversation. Do you feel he was trying to kind of punch your buttons? Oh, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. Not just it, me, not just me, but any patriot that walked by him, he called them names. He talked about um, he wanted to rape the women. Really? I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, OK, next question on that is. My understanding is he was with a Channel 9 crew. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. were they like all together? They were talking. So so we're still unclear as to 100% of their relationship, but they were definitely um talking in in groups from time to time. You know, him and him and the um and the reporters and stuff like so, that. Now, now they could say well we were just interviewing him. Okay, that's what okay. they could say because we didn't hear the conversations, but but, but it was not just once. It was kind of back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you you feel that he was trying to punch your buttons, mm -hmm. as well as he really saying stuff like that oh, on film. This is on video. Huh. Most of it was was videoed. Uh, um, when I was speaking to him, there was another um, freelance reporter type person that was live streaming that okay. time. So he was live streaming most of that conversation. And uh, he was just harassing people as they were walking by, walking in. Now, it was just really just him around all these patriots. Now, if we were racist and if we were out to get someone, he would have been the perfect person to get because he was by himself harassing us. All the rest of them were up north behind the barrier. But it was just him. 
And, and he, he wore couldn't the black... have been there except except for the fact he was with this Nine News crew. Otherwise, he would have been contained up on the north side. Yes. Well, and also he was wearing a Black Guns Matter shirt, which means that uh, most of the people who who support the Black Guns Matter movement, those are patriots. Those are people that believe in the Second Amendment. Okay. They may not be necessarily conservatives, but they believe in the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and and they believe in everybody should. Be able to protect themselves and their stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so that T-shirt got him past, you know, the, oh, the okay. scrutiny. I'm yeah. with you. Okay. Yeah. But then as soon as he got in there, he started agitating everybody. Okay. So he was even agitated all the way up to the end of the rally. As we were walking out, he was harassing people. As we were walking out, and there's video of me and, and others trying to pull patriots away from him, saying, hey, he's not worth it. Let's keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So we did that. We crossed the street. Um, he... And then the news crew kept going up further in between the, I think it's the library and the art. Mm-hmm. Um, art museum. Art museum. And that's when I um, started to do my interview with the Denver Gazette reporter. We heard the commotion, and now we've seen the videos now of, uh, of that you, commotion. And you heard the shot as well? Yeah. I heard, well, I saw the spray and heard the shot. And I saw Lee fall. Oh. I mean, we were 75 feet away. And we're like... Whoa, whoa, somebody. Just, and, and then I, I started my camera and I filmed the aftermath of that okay. for about a minute. And the police showed up within seconds and, you know, they subdued the, the shooter and all that stuff. And then they cordoned off the area. So they moved everybody out of the area. And you can see that on my video to where they're okay. um, having everybody. Is, and now, out. did you post that? Yeah. Is, is that yeah. on your Facebook? Yeah, I posted that um, sun, uh, Saturday evening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I recommend that people check that out. Well, let's change gears again then. Uh, and that let's get back to uh, you were down in Atlanta mm-hmm. with the president. Yep, on, his, on the 25th of September. Okay, and he introduces a platinum plan. Yes. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so um, get the invite. We show up in Atlanta, and the president is there. Dr. Ben Carson's there. Herschel Walker's there. Um, of course, all the black voices for Trump, Diamond and Silk, um, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. And I got a picture with, with Diamond and Silk and Herschel Walker. And, cool. and Kim Klasik was there. Um, Burgess Owens was there and so forth. And when the president came out, he said, there's supposed to be some candidates out there. Where are those candidates and stuff? So, you know, he gave us a shout out. Nice. Um, so we have his. So he said your name. No. <laughs> I know. Okay. <laughs> Just a little short. Yeah. But he did give us a shout out to the eight That's candidates, good. you know, okay. so I say, hey, you know, I'll take that. You bet. Um, and he, he was talking about this platinum plan. And and one of the criticisms is, is that, well, this is too little too late. You know, like I was saying earlier, well, no, this is icing on the cake because some of the points in this plan add on to what he's already doing. For example, one of the points on the plan is a second, a second step act. Well, in order to have a second step act, you got to have a first step act. <laughs> so his first step act was phenomenal because it alone um, rolled back or fixed the Joe Biden crime bill. And this is actually, um, you know, this is not just an executive order. This is the first step act that was signed by Congress and, I mean, um, voted on by Congress in the Senate and signed into law. So what it did was it rolled back the Joe, Cl- Joe Biden crime bill that Clinton signed into law that started three strikes and you're out. That also um, launched the private prison system. 
that the <laughs> that the inner city complains about all the time in in the school to prison pipeline. Have you heard that term before? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? All that came about because of the private prison system and the crime bill. Okay. This First Step Act has freed over 11,000 mostly black men from prison. Over 11,000. But I need to back up for a second because it all came about because of Alice Johnson. So Kim Kardashian, Kanye West's wife, went to the White House to meet the president. And she had been lobbying for Alice Johnson, who was a prisoner in jail in California for over 20-something years for a possession charge. While Alice Johnson is in prison for 20-something years, she turns her life around. She starts mentoring young women that are not even in prison. They come to prison to mentor Really? Because huh. they're because she is she's that powerful. The the um the um the warden writes a letter saying this lady deserves to be free. The guards all love her. Everybody loves her. She's mentoring young women in and out of prison. She is a phenomenal human being now, twenty something years later. And she had no um I think I don't know what her prison sentence was, but she was going to be in jail for longer. So Kim Kardashian says, "Uh uh-uh, somebody's got to do something. So she goes to the president, tells him about Alice Johnson. Two days later, Alice Johnson is free. Two days later. And then the president says, well, you know, he meets Alice Johnson and they hug and you have a press conference and all that stuff. And he's like, well, how many other people out there, you know, like Alice Johnson? Like you? Like her. She said thousands, tens of thousands of people. Across the nation. He's like, oh. okay. So they looked into it and they said, yeah, if you are in jail for a nonviolent felony, your sentence should not be 20, 30 years for a nonviolent felony. Now, if you're robbing people and you're raping people, yeah, you know, you deserve to have the book thrown at you. But for a nonviolent possession charge and you're in jail for 20, 30 years, 40 years, some of these people, uh uh-uh. uh. So that's what the First Step Act started to do. And it freed 10, well, at this point, 11,000 people, mostly black men. They get out of jail. They're praising the president. Okay. Now, just a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, freeing 11,000 people that have been in prison, mm-hmm. should communities be worried about crime? I mean, how would you address that, because Pastor Because I would address it that um, part of the, part of the um, criteria for them to be free is that they have to be model prisoners. Okay. That's right. Just like Alice Johnson. She is doing more for pe- for people in and out of prison than people that are out. <laughs> so, so we need to have her out so she can do more. Mm-hmm. She has a foundation now. She's you know, and she partnered doing, too. And he partnered her. Okay, he partnered all these people. All these people got a pardon. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's how they got out. I don't remember hearing about this. Exactly because uh-huh. the media covered it up, okay. and, and and it's still covering it up. So so these are people who have turned their lives around in prison have followed all the steps to be released, but they had a large sentence and and they just weren't up for parole. Do people in the black community know what the president did on this? Nope. 11,000 f- people should know, plus their families. 11,000 people know, and, and that word has gotten out. That's why his numbers have started to increase in the black community. Okay. okay. Now, now the Tay, Anders, Tay Andersons of the world, and I told Tay about this, and he said, yeah, we heard, you know, Couple hundred people got no, no brother, <laughs> eleven thousand and climbing, okay, and climbing. 
Okay, so Tay has heard about this. Now, because I shared it with him. He didn't know about it before, but he he heard about it now because I shared it with him. But what about the intellectual curiosity to then check it out when he says only a couple hundred? Nope. You say it's 11,000. People that are honest about you know their intellectual curiosity would check right. it out then yeah. and let people know. Exactly. Okay. And they're not doing it. They're okay. not interested because it would uncover something that they don't want to see. You know, it's like, it reminds me of, um, you know, the old um, Planet of the Apes movie with Charlton Heston, and he's talking to the the one um, wise um, um, orangutan, right? He says, you don't want to go out there because you're going to find something that you don't, you know, you're not going to like. And he goes out there and he finally sees the Statue of Liberty buried and, and stuff like that. And he, he realizes he hasn't left Earth. He's still on, he thought he was on another planet. He's on Earth. It's just in the future, and man has has wiped this, you know, has wiped itself out. Same kind of thing. You know, they don't want it to, they don't want to see it. They want to cover their eyes and ears. Well, and also because uh, if they found that out, then it would they would realize that their narrative is false, yeah. and it takes away the power of that narrative. That's why I'm saying that eventually, when Tay wakes up, he's going to be a part. You watch it. You know, I mean, if we're if we're still alive at that time, well, he's going to be a powerful. Well, but we have to push time. back on these these policies that's going on, and, yeah. and so President so, Trump realizes that. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's from day one. He has cared and has reached out to the black community. When he first um, when he was first elected, he wanted to meet with the with the Congressional Black Caucus, mm-hmm. and they said they're not interested in meeting with him. Really? He said, he said okay, not okay. a problem. I just keep moving. And he did. He kept moving. So that was their loss because regardless of what you think about the president, whoever the president is, if he wants to meet with you, you should meet with him. Absolutely. Just I out would, of respect for the office. Just out of respect for all. I would meet with Barack Obama. I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything he had to say, but I'd still meet with him and mm-hmm. give him the respect of yeah. the office. Absolutely. So they disrespected him there, and it, and it just all went downhill from there. You know, several times they snubbed him at the— um, at the State of the Union, mm-hmm. I think Elijah Cummings and some of the others, you know, decided not to go to the State of the Union and make a big, make a big deal out of it. Anyway, so he's doing all these things for the past four years. First Step Act, Second Chance Act, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform, um, permanently funding HBCUs. Now, which is that? The historic black colleges and universities. Okay. Now, um, when we say permanent funding, it's it's a 10-year uh, stretch, and there's an in- incremental um, bump up of the funding for the HBCUs. And somebody says, well, it's not permanent because it's only 10 years. Well, guess what? Before that, it was every year they had to come back to the, to the White House and beg whoever the president was for more money mm-hmm. every year. In fact, that's what got President Trump to even do this because they came the first year, and they said, hey, guys, how's it going? They talk, you take a picture, and you sign the thing, and then they go. And then they come back again the next year. He's like, "Did um, we just do this?" I thought we just did. Yeah, but we got to do. We got to come back every year to get the money. Uh-huh. He said, "Oh, that." He said, "Well, how long have you been doing that?" They said, "Forever." Um, and sometimes when they came back, Barack Obama didn't give them any extra money. He did sign it to give them funding, but not any extra funding. So President Trump said, "Uh, uh-uh. this is look. I like seeing you guys, <laughs> but we got much better things we could be doing. All of us could be doing, not just me. All of us." So let's just push this out for 10 years. Let's just make this an incre- incremental increase every year for 10 years. And then you got 10 years, you can do you do your thing and then come back. Let's see where we are then. To be where we are then. We'll have some results. Right. Right. Okay. So he did that. 
And um, the criminal justice reform that um, Tim Scott and Dr. Carson worked on, that's in play. And the opportunity zones. Now, the opportunity zones from a Republican standpoint is far different than opportunity zones from from the Democrat standpoint. Okay. This plan is different than a Democrat plan because this plan relies on free market solutions. It relies on um, people like Robert Johnson, you know, the founder of um, BET and things like this. It relies on people with a lot of resources and money to partner up with the government. So it's not a new government tax that we're trying to collect to make sure the platinum plan works. I don't think it, it has much of a tax implication at all. Okay. It's mainly government private partnerships that go on in the inner city. It just gives them, um, in fact, it gives these um, organizations tax incentives to build in those areas. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's what's going on with this plan. It's just in addition to what he's already been doing over the past four years. Casper, I think you shared something with me before COVID-19 Wuhan virus had occurred uh, mm-hmm. that that there were thousands of black-owned businesses that started. There were over 400,000 new black businesses That's... that started up, 400,000. Wow, under President Trump. Under pre- Yeah, exactly, within the past four years, wow. 400,000. Now, when COVID hit, over 300,000 of those went out of business. Okay. So we lost 300,000. But this plan talks about um, building that back up to 500,000. So, so the platinum plan would would um, incentivize, in, um, would initiate a plan to increase, in, you know, increase the, that number. The, the number of uh, black-owned businesses. Yeah, yeah, to five hundred thousand. Yeah. As we go through this, where can people find this? It's two pages. It's yeah. not, you know, <laughs> Casper. We we did this voters' guide, yeah. and we are recommending a no vote on the the um, proposition EE. Mm-hmm which is this big tax increase, $294 million yeah. in Colorado yeah. on cigarette and vaping uh, yeah. um, products. Right. But there's backup legislation to, to, to that. Mm-hmm. It's 50 pages long, 50 pages. So yeah. here we've got a plan. It's kind of like the yeah. Declaration of Constitution. <laughs> right. It, it kind of says what it needs to say. Right. Two pages. Two yeah. pages. And, you know, the four things that are at the top is opportunity, security, prosperity, and fairness. Right. That is what every American wants, I think. That is what every American wants, and that's what the community thinks every, every American except for them has. So Trump is trying to say, no, we all have it. We're going to make sure you understand that you have it. We're going to give you access to it. I use an acronym all the time when I'm on a campaign trail. I talk about a spark. And a spark is simply a, a system, is the S, plan, access, resources, and knowledge. Any community, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, any community that has a spark does well and has prosperity. And any community that doesn't have it doesn't do well. So the black community, inner city, now we don't really have an inner city like Baltimore, but the inner city here in Colorado, because they're in a bubble, there's no spark. Uh, Only thing they have is more... um, more victimhood status, more hoping that the government finally comes in to do this and do that. But the suburbs 
have a spark. And all we need for the government to do in the suburbs is just get out of our way, mm-hmm. right? We have business owners that are trying to open up, even during this challenging COVID situation, they're trying to open up and they're trying to do the right thing, whether it's masks, whether it's social distancing. Every restaurant you go into has these marks on the floor and things like that, right? Honestly. So, so we're trying to do all that thing, but we just want to be open. Right. We want to make money and we want to hire employees and pay taxes and all those things. Create, create wealth. <laughs> You know, yeah. this big, broad, middle class, we yeah. we want to make sure that everyone has that opportunity. And right. that looks to me like with this platinum plan, President Trump wants to make sure that every individual has these opportunities. That's what of, it does. Of prosperity yeah, yeah. and all. You know, when they talk about the um, stimulus money, one of the complaints about the stimulus money is it, it didn't trickle down to the small businesses. And it didn't. If you were a medium to large size business, you were first in line for the stimulus money. I know it. And if you were a small business, you're like, okay, what about me? Well, see, if you don't have a relationship with the bank, then you didn't get um, stimulus money. There were some banks, large banks, that literally called their clients, you know, their their, uh, um, 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 you know, people that had accounts at the bank and say, hey, hey, Jim, hey, Sally. And that would be reasonable. Yeah. They said, the money's here, and you, you can mm-hmm. get it because, mm-hmm. you know, they have a they had a relationship. relationship. They have a good credit rating. All these things, right? Uh, because you still had to qualify for the money. It wasn't just you just went down and signed your name and got the money. Got the money. You huh? had to fill out all kinds of applications and go through all that, you know. So if you have an accountant that does all that for you, whatever. But if you're trying to do it on your own. You know, By the time you got the uh, form finished, the money was gone. Money is gone. <laughs> money is gone. Right. So, um, so this opens up to give the smaller businesses, mom and pop shops, and things like that, access to more resources to do what they want to do, which is open up and sell some products and services and make money. Well, very quickly, we're about out of time. When we started this, we thought, oh, oh we got plenty. Yeah, of time. we have plenty of time. Yeah. I would like to, if you're comfortable with this, go through this back and forth with President Trump's promise to black America over four years. It says uh, increased access to capital in black communities by almost $500 What's the next one? Oh, the next one is um, 3 million new jobs for the black community. Next, creating 500,000 new black-owned businesses. Increased access to capital in black communities by almost $5 which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Safe urban neighborhoods with highest policing standards. Yes, yeah, so we need to stop there for a second because the black community has a love-hate relationship with the police, and they don't really um, have the relationship that I would have with the police. Like, I, I'm, look, if we have to be, we don't have to be. Here's our choices. We either are um, policed by local police or we are policed by the mob, gangs, or the feds. And those three are not interesting to me. I don't want to be ruled by the mob because mob rule is when you get shot in the head if you don't do something they tell you to do. That's mob rule. I don't want that. Local police do not go around assassinating young black people. Now, there are some bad apples in the police force for sure, but you know, um, police just don't go around assassinating people. So, so we have to be careful when we talk about this to, to say that this is not about just going out and um, stop and frisk kind of deal. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is about just making sure that the community is safe. Got it. Yeah. Okay. The next one is commit to working on a second step act. Right. Okay. Um, access to better education and job training opportunities. Uh, give black churches the ability to compete for federal resources for their community. 
And people would say, well, why is that important? Because um, traditionally they have not had access to any federal funds, you know, that are available right now. You know, they've had, and they're, they're running soup kitchens and food banks and everything else from the, from the generous, generous donations of just people in the neighborhood. Um, but they have not had access to, to more funding to do more okay. for the community. You know, and that's a bigger philosophical question. Yeah. Ideally, I would like taxes to become get less and less mm-hmm. so that our charities were really stepping in and doing that instead right. of the government. Right. But for right now, this is a stop stopgap to help at that particular point in time. Correct. Okay, next one, uh, Casper. Bring better and tailored health care to the address the historic disparities. So during the COVID crisis, it was brought up that the black community is more susceptible to COVID, but that's really because of the comorbidity factors of diabetes and high blood pressure and things like that that are uh, more prevalent to me in the black community. Well, that comes down to, um, you know, better knowledge about your health. You mm-hmm. know, if you're healthy, I'm not afraid of COVID, right? If I get it, I'm going to take... The, the, the existing treatments that are available, um, you know, to deal with it. I take zinc every day. I watch what I eat. You know, I don't, I try to stay away from processed foods and, you know, <laughs> all those things that we know to do if you have a knowledge of, of a healthy um, lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, healthy okay. lifestyle. Okay. Uh, let's see. Immigration policy that protects American jobs. Exactly. Advance home ownership opportunities and enhance the financial literacy in the black community. Also important to make sure people are, um, it's important people know how money works. And in the community, they don't necessarily know how money works. Okay. Right. So that's important. Okay. And then onshoring manufacturing to advance jobs and develop opportunities for black-owned businesses. Yes. All this looks really good. Casper, I would say we're just about out of time. This has been a really great conversation. What is the final thought you want to leave with our listeners? The final thought is um, we have to make inroads in the black community. I've been trying to to get this happening for eight-plus years, ever since I've known you. you Mm -hmm. I've been been Mm -hmm. working at it. Um, Sometimes I feel like we're going backwards. I was excited, uh, and not initially, I have to admit, I was initially excited about President Trump, but he has done phenomenal work in helping us move forward in this arena. I wish the Republican Party would embrace a lot of his strategies in reaching out to the black community. I don't believe they have. I haven't seen it. Um, I didn't get invited to uh, Atlanta by the Republican Party. (laughs) I got invited by President Trump, Uh right? I didn't get uh, supported by the Republican Party to do the things I'm doing in the community. I would appreciate some support, you know, doing that. Uh, so if we do that, then we have a pretty sh- strong future ahead of us. I need to mention this right quick. So there's a group of about 30 black congressional candidates right now that are out there, like myself, running in the general election. Over th- GOP? GOP, over 30. Wow. Now, just, you don't have to close your eyes, but just imagine 15 of us or 20 of us winning our elections and going to D.C. as black conservative Republicans. Wow. I love that. That would literally change the game. Now, people would say, well, yeah, it's not about race. I get that. But right now it is about race. <laughs> it is about showing that we are not a racist uh, organization. We're not a racist party. Um, you know, there's plenty of, of opportunity available for anyone well, and these who has candid- the values that we have. And these candidates have, have the merit 
to go and do this. I yeah. I see this across the board, this right. understanding of yeah. the American idea. Yeah, I mean, you look at Burgess Owens, uh, Kim Klasick, Joe Collins, right? I mean, all these strong black conservative leaders. If we were in D.C., the game would change. We would be the, the counter to the... Um, to the Congressional Black Caucus, right? Always talking about victimhood status, but we'd go in with opportunity. We'd go prosperity. in prosperity. Prosperity. I Love mean, we, yeah. yeah. Kind of Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Kind of stuff. There you go. There <laughs> <Okay>. you go. <laughs> I am recommending that people help yes. um, adopt a candidate. Yes. I know you are very adoptable. I'm very adoptable. And people can donate, walk, mm-hmm. yard signs, yeah. write thank you notes. How can people reach you, Casper Stockham? Yes, they can go to Casper for Colorado. So it's F O R. Colorado.com, Casper, F-O-R, Colorado.com. You know, we want donations, but what we really want are bodies. We need people to show up because there's a lot of work we need to do for the next couple weeks to have a strong presence um, going all the way to Election Day. We're going to be on the corners and highways and byways waving flags and and banners and getting yard signs placed. Um, And people are requesting our yard signs every day we get 10 requests for more yard signs. Fantastic. We can't keep them in the, in the uh, offices uh, um, stocked up enough. So that's fantastic. Great problem to have. That's a great problem to have. And we're just excited to finish this race strong. So Casper for Colorado.com. Casper, thank you for stepping up to the plate. I know that you care deeply about our country. You care deeply about uh, the ethnic communities. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate it. Okay. So this is uh, Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. We are uh, signing off. And my friends, God bless you and God bless America.